goes. Okay, after learning that our Veda affects Atmos, so then the Rebbe starts discussing what a Veda is. It says that there are two different levels of a Veda. Reishis of Veda Vikara Vesharsha, based on the 41st chapter of Tanya, is Yira. What's Yira? Kabbalah soul. Commitment, that's the beginning of any relationship. It's when the relationship begins to be about something other than myself. Page 328. 328. It's probably open to that. Yeah, what line? Well, I mean, I'll tell you when we get to the line we're going to start reading from, but uh-huh. we're not reading from a line yet. So. Okay, so that the, the, the year is the beginning of a Veda after explaining what our Veda is, so then the Rebbe said that what our Veda accomplishes, and so now the Rebbe is explaining what a Veda is. Yira and Ava. We got to Ava also. Right. But first year, Kabbalah soul, the beginning of any relationship, commitment. Rebbe explains in terms of uh, our Veda of the day. Every day begins with what? Kabbalah soul. Kabbalah soul. I'm a Maida. I admit and, and give thanks to something. A certain state of bittle to something. Davening starts. Haidu Lavaya. The, the, the more serious avoid of the day. Where does it start? Haidu Lavaya. Beginning with Haida'a. Haida'a being again that state of bittle, self nullification. The acknowledgement of something bigger than myself. That's Yira. That's the beginning of Aveda. However, the Rebbe says in the beginning of the second parak on page 328, Av is also necessary, and Av is also part of our equation. Why is Av a part of our equation? Well, because our Pasek, one of the psukim that we're learning in this Mimer, the, the first Pasek of the two, even though the name of the Mimer is, the Mimer is named after the second Pasek in the Chumash, right? But the first Pasek in the Chumash that we're learning is, V'yavadatem esavayelokeichem. And he will bless your bread and your water. And I'll remove sickness from your midst. Okay, so and what did the Rebbe teach us about that that's the source of the mitzvah of Tvila in, in the Gemara and Barakas, but also the Rambam. And then, I'm sorry, then another passage, serve him with all your heart. What is the Aveda Shabalev, the Aveda of the heart? That's Davening. Oh, and what the Rebbe explained, Davening is an expression of love. There is no service like the service of love. So the Pasuk, which is the source of the Aveda that we've been talking about, that Pasuk includes the Aveda Mi'ava, not simply Aveda Mi'ira, which is the simple Pshad in Aveda because it comes from the word Evid. A servant who does things in a year. Right? But there's also included the notion of Ava. That's what the, the Rebbe taught. That was the last thing we saw. Right? And then we started to see the difference between Ava and Yira. Right? Ava demands change. Ava demands work. Whereas Yira doesn't necessarily demand change. Right? Because remember the last thing we talked about was Clem from Nebraska? That was our last class on Thursday. Right? That it's possible. It's possible. It's possible for a person to be what the Rebbe describes as a Yerushamayim Tivis. It's a natural Yerushamayim. Now, we know there's something called Ava Tivis. Right? Natural love. But the natural love that the Rebbe is talking about, that Hasidus talks about, well, he doesn't talk about it in this mimer, but the Hasidus talks about it, is the natural love of the Nefesh Elokis. Whereas here, when the Rebbe says Yira Tivis, he's talking about the Nefesh Bahamis, meaning there are people who are naturally inclined to do that which they're supposed to do. Right? Again, we talked about Klem, the law-abiding citizen. There can be a law-abiding citizen in any context. So Klem, right, Klem pays his taxes, mows his lawn, belongs to the Rotary Club, does everything you're supposed to do as a model citizen, drives the speed limit, which is really weird, right? Clem drives the speed limit. You know, everybody else drives the speed limit plus eight because they know that the cop won't give them a ticket if they, you know, but no, no, Clem drives 30, 
in the 30 zone and 50 in the 50 zone. Everybody else is going 35 and 56 and Clem's, you know, 30. Right? He's the guy you got stuck behind when you were in a hurry. Okay, so now Clem, that's Clem. Okay, now put Clem in a religious context. Clem's name is Shmuel, and Shmuel grew up in a, in a religious neighborhood, in a religious family. And what did Shmuel do? He went to school and he did what he was told, and he always did. That's just the kind of kid he was, right? And there's all sorts of kids like that, and as we mentioned on Thursday, those are the children you're davening for. Everybody wants their kids to be that way. Okay, but the Rebbe's going to say something quite astounding about that. Because as amazing as that is, and as incredible as that is, love Davka, there's any Aveda whatsoever necessary to serve a Kaddish Baruch this way. Why? That's just his nature. It's just the way he is. The same way Clem in Nebraska didn't work on himself to become a law-abiding American. He just, that's just who he is. Just naturally, Clem was always one of those kids. Okay, so what if Shmuley is always one of those kids? So then, fine, he's, he's Mamish, an amazing guy. He's the first guy in Minyan every morning. He's in the Dafyemi Shir, in the, in the Shul, in, in Borough Park, or in Flatbush, or in Muncie, or in Harnof, or Gaula, wherever he lives. All right? Okay. <coughs> Great guy. But has he necessarily done any Aveda to be who he is? No, not necessarily. That doesn't mean there aren't people for whom Kabbalah soul is real Aveda. There are some people for whom Kabbalah soul is like breaking teeth. Okay. They become Lubavitchers. But, but, uh, but there are some people for whom it's just not, they're just naturally law-abiding citizens. So again, in a from context, what does that mean? Just a good kid. You know, good kid, went to school, went to yeshiva, did what he was told. And, and not, that, not, not in some robotic boring ways, he's a good guy, so I'm just a good guy, right, he's, he's, right, okay, but he doesn't have the Yitzhah that some other people have for all sorts of things that might distract him from serving in Kodesh Baruch, he's a model citizen, okay, so the Rebbe's going to talk about him, we're at the bottom of page 328, and the Rebbe mentions, as we said earlier, relative to Kabbalah soul, it's not necessary to change yourself, even the person for whom Kabbalah soul is an Aveda, it's still not necessary to change yourself because you don't have to change your Ritzenus, your Seichel, your Midas. You don't have to change any internal aspect of who you are in order to be a Kabbalah soul. You just have to do what you have to do. Just get it together and do it and, and stop complaining. Okay. Have I changed my Ritzenus? Not, not necessarily. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, I, I, don't wait until you've changed your Ritzenus. Right? Do what has to be done. Now, we talked about that in the context of the, the, the so-called sociological balchuva, etc., and we're not going there again. Right? Meaning a person has to be careful not to blow fuses, etc. Okay, but that, that's not, a, we've talked about that in the context of Yira. Right? But Yira doesn't, Yira, not only does Yira not necessitate change, it's not necessary to bring about change in order to start the event of Yira, even if you're not that law-abiding citizen. You don't want to be that law-abiding citizen. It's not your nature. Well, you still do what you have to do. Right. Okay. Whereas Ava, Ava demands change. And that's what the Rebbe is about to explain. Uh, so we'll start, we'll get a running start. From five lines up from the bottom of the page, middle of the line, there's a period, then the word Dehine. Okay, we, we saw it. We just saw the beginning of this, 328. Right. We saw this at the beginning of this on, uh, on Thursday. And the Veda of Yir and Kabbalah Sol itself, I, I'm sorry, I, I, alone, a person hasn't, doesn't necessarily bring about a change in themselves. Again, it, it, a person could bring about great change, right? It could be that the person's really not a Kabbalah Solnik. They really have a hard time with that, and they work on themselves to become that. Okay. I'm having one of our kids, his grade eight teacher, which is the last year in Cheder before you go to yeshiva. Amazing guy. He's a very, very special teacher. And Imam has worked with him the whole year on the Indian of Kabbalah Sol, that he'd be ready to go to yeshiva and, 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 and deal with what yeshiva's going to demand from him. Because in yeshiva, they demand a certain level of Kabbalah Sol. You just have to do what you have to do. Right? Okay. And he worked very hard with him on that, because he wasn't a Kabbalah Sol. Good kid, great kid, loved stuff, but he wasn't a Kabbalah Sol. There's no doubt about that. Right. Okay, and that might take an evade for someone. Right. Since now he really is. He's mamish. He's I mean, he's an adult. He's thirty-five, I guess. I don't know. It's some big number, bigger than I want to think about. So, so, but, but, uh, but, as a kid, no. 
So Kabbalah's all took change for him. Okay, I've said it, but the Rebbe's saying it doesn't necessitate change. It doesn't demand change. In everybody. He hasn't brought about a, a, a rectification or a purification of his Nevesh Bahamis. Now this is when the Rebbe brought the example of the you know person who just has sort of natural Yerushimayim. So we brought the example of Klem in a Goyesh context, and then, you know, Shmuli in the religious context. There are people, right? They're just naturally inclined to do what they're supposed to do. And with a simple contemplation, meaning, you know, everybody has to focus themselves on what has to be done, right? So they just, you know, think about what has to be done and focus on it. So, okay, say and that's what happens. They can arouse this yira. Again, yira, you know, that doesn't mean they're sitting shaking in their boots. They're, they're, not, they're not afraid of anything. They're in awe of something. But yira in chassidus is more miloshin, yira miloshin, re'iyah, same letters as the word re'iyah. They're sensitive to the existence and presence of something called God. So they act in accordance. Clem drives the speed limit. Some other people need their ways to tell them police ahead before they slow down to the to the to the, uh, to the speed limit. Okay, so Clem is always someone aware of the fact that there's someone out there watching. Right. So Clem drives the speed limit all the time. Right. In England, they have a much better method than America, though it's a smaller place, easier to do. But they have quite a draconian method to make sure that people drive the speed limit. They have cameras every 10 miles. If you show up at the second camera faster than you should have, you get a ticket at home. Which is brilliant, because it saves a lot of money, because you don't need a bunch of cops sitting on the road, and the cops can actually do something of use. Right? So if you drive 90, right, and then slow down to 60 when you go through the, the, uh, the, the camera, well, fine, the camera gets you going 60. Well, that's not so useful, because... Uh, you got here too fast. And you get it. <laughs> it's a little Orwellian, but uh, it works. Good morning, gentlemen. Are you sure you're supposed to be in this class and not Rabbi Silberg's class, which is on the other side of the wall? Seven Breva Chassidus? What? Seven Breva Chassidus? That's next door. That's oh, next, that door. next door? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Not that we don't like having you here. No, no, no. You see, we have extra chairs for people all the time, but that's... There's just no one in there, so we got confused. That's where you want to go. There's a guy with a gray beard. Does he wear glasses? No glasses. No glasses. Gray beard, no glasses. British accent. Don't tell him that. He'll be very upset. <laughs> He's been denying being from England since he, uh, since I met him. Okay, so so the the the, the it, it takes a certain he's painted It takes a certain amount of focus that he has to say, okay, right, something's called for. But then what happens? Then it happens. So they'll arouse in themselves the sensitivity to God's presence in their midst, and they'll do what has to be done, or won't do that which is. Forbidden to do, turn away from evil, and do good. And even so, now the Rebbe says something quite astounding about them. This is new, we didn't see this. Even when their behavior regarding is complete. Their Nevesha Bahamis remains, Nisheres says remains. Their Nevesh Bahamis remains betokva in its strength, ubigvurasa, another language of strength, ketoldasa as it has always been, and it's, meaning it hasn't been changed at all. Why? Well, this person didn't bring, have to bring about any change in who he is, because after all, when we say Yerushimayim Tivis, we're talking about his Nevesh Bahamis. We're talking about conscious him. Everybody has Ava Tivis, mitzad their Nevesh Elokis, right? You have a Nefesh Elokis, and so you have a natural love for Kodesh Baruch Can you bring that into your conscious reality? That takes a Veda. That takes a lot of hard work. Yurativis might just be the nature of the person mitzad his Nefesh Bahamis, meaning his conscious being, just who he is. Okay, so therefore he hasn't affected his Nefesh Bahamis. He was blessed with, a, with, a, with a, a less annoying one, but he hasn't changed it. It just is what it is. The Adarabah. 
Au contraire. Adorable. On the contrary. Nishazka Yeser. It strengthened more. Behem Shechazman, with the continuation of time. By virtue of the fact that he used it. In other words, a person's nefesh abahamis, naturally, becomes stronger and stronger as his life goes on. Now, that's only in certain aspects of the nefesh abahamis, but it's certainly true. Right? There will be people who will become more, and by virtue of the fact that they, they have lived life longer, they will become more dependent on certain creature comforts. 19-year-olds can walk into somewhere, there's nowhere to sleep, so they find some place on the floor and you know, throw a coat under their head and they fall asleep. And they sleep the night. Right? They just couldn't be bothered going home and they're you know, visiting a friend's house, couldn't be bothered going home, and so they'll just lay down on the carpet and they'll go to sleep. 45-year-olds can't do that. <laughs> Why not? Well, they've just got, become more and more used to certain creature comforts that it's harder to do without. Their Nefesh Bahamis is used to certain things and they, it's harder for them to do without those things than the 19-year-old Nefesh Bahamis because the 19-year-old Nefesh Bahamis hasn't had it for so long anyway and doesn't really think about that. Now, that doesn't mean that the 19-year-old might not have a flaming Nefesh Bahamis relative to all sorts of other things. That's true, and the 45-year-old's worked on that and changed it. But in terms of the, 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 the fact that a person uses their Nefesh Bahamis, meaning a person spent more time in Elam Hazza, so they've gotten more used to certain aspects of life, physical life and find it harder to deal without them. Okay. So that's why, you know, obviously people mature and become more serious, we hope, right? But it's actually right now, we're just learning it in Tanya now, right? 13th chapter in Tanya. By virtue of hanging around and using your Nefesh is more and more, so you get used to those things, right? Oh. So not only is this person not necessarily changed his Nefesh Bahamis, on a certain level it might have become stronger, right? which also means his own it, 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 person, people get into certain habits. Now this guy happens to have very, very positive habits. Right? I mean, he's just, a, he's just a good guy. He's just a firm guy, and, and he gets up every morning, and he goes to the mikveh, and he learns, he learns his chassidus for an hour, and he's in the minyan, and uh, then he stays after and learns, uh, learns uh, rambam, and then he goes to work, and he gives stalker, and he learns with his kids. And it, but he, he's mamish amazing, this guy. He's incredible. Okay. But is it a function of working on himself? No, that's just sort of who he's been forever, and so when he had kids, so now there's something new he has to do. So he does it. Right? He's an amazing guy. But he hasn't necessarily changed his Nevesh Bahamis in any way, shape, or form because it's just a natural expression of who he is because he's just that kind of guy. And there, there are people like that, right? We know people like that. Right? Again, like I said, you, you daven that your kid should be like that. Your kid should go to school and do everything the way they're supposed to do. Why? Because they just do. Everybody wants kids like that. You don't want kids who are rebellious at every step of the way. Right? That's like a, a lot of hard work for the teacher, for the principal, for you, for the kid, for the kid also. A lot of work. It's just, you know, okay. But now that child, he grows up. It's possible for him not to work on himself and still be, as the Rebbe said, someone whom it said, turn away from evil and do good, is completely and totally in line with what the Abishter wants. But what? But look what the Rebbe says. It says an amazing thing here. The caven that since shall that since this didn't bring about any rectification or purification of his nefesh because because he could manage this level of aveda without bringing about real change in himself, without mamish working on himself and pulling out his kishkas. This also didn't bring about a connection of his nefesh elokis with its source in elokus. Whoa. The guy did lots of mitzvahs. He's an amazing guy. Has he brought about a deep connection to the Ebishter of his nefesh elokis? No. Why not? How is it you bring about a connection of the nefesh elokis with the Ebishter? He al yidei milu yuritzani is by fulfilling God's will. Well, isn't this guy doing this? Well, yes and no. Hare Ritsena Yizbarak, what is the Ratsan of a Kadosh Baruch Hu? Shanashama Tevara Esagufa Nevisha Bahamis. 
that the neshama should rectify, elevate, purify, illuminate the goof and the nevesh that a person should change. And that's why the neshama came into this world. The neshama comes into a goof in this world in order to bring about a change in the nevesh and the goof in that, in, of, of that person. So that, that person can become a, a, a different person. The neshama atzma, the neshama itself, ain't it? The neshama itself doesn't require any fixing. The neshama is fine. The yiridosa lamata, and the neshama's descent below, relative to the person in whom the neshama is clothed, he is kidei levada as a goof in nevishabamis, is to rectify the goof in the nevishabamis. Now, has the neshama done that to this guy? No. Why not? Because he's just that way. <laughs> He's just, he, what's the difference between him and Clem in Nebraska? There's no difference. That, 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 look, he's Jewish, he's keeping Shabbos, kosher, all sorts of stuff. But in, if he didn't have a Nefesh Elokis, what would he be doing? Exactly the same thing, because that's just who he naturally is. He's just a naturally law-abiding citizen. This does not describe most Balei Tshuva, right? By definition. Because <laughs> the Balei Tshuva brought about rather catastrophic change in his life, at least in terms of his external behavior. I say that, but there's still people who, I mean, it, it, I, I'm always funny, it came up on Shabbos about, one of the girls asked, well, how could a person possibly keep Torah and mitzvahs if they don't believe in God? So I once had a student, he was, was, was a really good guy, my was a good guy, he learned a couple of years in our Samech, and then he came to Yeshiva that I was involved in, and um, he liked learning to say this, etc. So I once, you know, but he, he had a certain lifelessness in his Yiddish guy. I just, I asked him once, so, you know, what? Uh, why are you from Bechlam? Like, what, you know, why did you do this? So he said, one of the probably the most astounding answer I ever heard. I think I don't know. He said, uh, "Well, I studied sociology in college, so he liked to think of himself as a sociologist." And uh, there, there he was. He had worked a bit on a master's, you know, like what? So, he said, when I looked around at different societies, the, the the healthiest society I could see by far was the religious Jewish society. Not that it's perfect, but that was the best society I could see. So I decided I wanted I, I, I would I wanted to be part of that society, and I wanted to bring my children up in that society. So, well, how about God? I'm not so sure. <laughs> this guy was from Shemeshabbos, but on filling every day, was always, you know, first guy, this in the morning, first guy, this in the morning, middle class, learning, enjoyed it, enjoyed learning. He was an intelligent guy. He liked learning Gemara. It was interesting and, you know, intellectually stimulating. Been around Yeshiva for a couple of years. <laughs> I just, oh. Never managed to move him away from that position. I mean, he was just like a rock. I, 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 I think he stayed from and, you know, got married and last I heard. It's funny because he came with another guy who was, the two guys came from Arsamaic and Yeshiva together. And they were friendly with each other, but the other guy was completely different, you know, ended up living in the old city of Tzvaz. <laughs> you know, like just, the, the, the Veda with him was to, you know, was to channel the spirituality into positive action because the spirituality was just you know exploding all over the place but he was having a very hard time expressing that in any godly terms it was all just you know that, I mean it, it worked and he figured it out but it took a while to figure out how to get spiritual <coughs> and God to be in line with each other because you know spiritual doesn't necessarily have anything to do with God the Veda Zara is spiritual it doesn't have anything to do with God but it's spiritual so he had that issue. And this guy was exactly the opposite. No spirituality, no God. <laughs> Just, but Torah Mitzvah was, was really, and I, since, I thought this was 35 years ago at least. Yeah, 35 years ago. I've never met anybody like that since. I've never gotten that answer from the question since. It's a nice society and I want to be part of a society. He was, he was a Jewish guy? Yeah, because he was Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> Jews, anything. 
Yes, he could have chosen it. He could have become a Buddhist monk or something, but uh, he decided that wasn't the society he wanted to be part of. Okay. So this guy isn't that bad, right? This guy's a Pesedah, right? He, it's your Shemaim. It's real your Shemaim. It's Kabbalah Zoh. Real Kabbalah Zoh. Abishter. But he hasn't necessarily brought about any change in himself. So therefore, the, the Rebbe says something really quite challenging and drastic. Right? And he said it once already, and he's about to say it again. And as long as he hasn't brought about any change in his Nefesh he hasn't fulfilled the Ratzon of a Kaddish Baruch. Ah, he puts on tefillin every day, so in the external sense he's fulfilling the Ratzon of a Kaddish Baruch, which is good and important and absolutely necessary, and if you don't do that, nothing can happen. It's a lot better to put on tefillin without any inner work than not putting on tefillin and do all the inner work, because then all the inner work is just a complete and total waste of time, because it's ultimately about putting on tefillin. Okay, but this guy... He puts on tefillin, but there's been no inner work, so therefore what? Ultimately, he hasn't fulfilled the, the, the Ratzon of Kaddish Baruch in terms of who he is. Therefore, the Rebbe says this absolutely astounding thing. He hasn't brought about a connection of his godly soul with its source. Unbelievable. Now, why did we come here? Because the Rebbe is explaining the difference between Ava and Yira. And it's specifically the Avedimi Ava. Shal Yoda Pel Bira Vizikuch Nevishabahamis. That through that Aveda a person brings about a rectification and a purification of the Nevishabahamis. Why? Because there is no Ava Tivis of the Nevishabahamis for a Kurdish Baruch. What does the Nevishabahamis love naturally? Hmm? Okay, but that's probably just the external expression of what it really loves. Self. Loves itself. Right? Just in love with itself. And so any, any attachment to Gashmias is only because it makes me feel good. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, someone loves that, the taste of that food, and I don't, so I'm not going to eat it. I'm not attached to Gashmias because I love Gashmias. I'm not interested in that food. Why am I? Because it doesn't make me feel good, and all I'm interested in is making me feel good. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, intellectually. That's Nebuchadnezzar's. Arguably, the Ruchmius makes it feel good too. It's just, it is naturally going towards the Gashmius. Okay, that could be 100%, right? Certainly, I would imagine this guy, he's not a creep. He's probably a pretty good guy. I mean, he looks like a pretty good guy. But yeah, he probably gets a certain amount of satisfaction about it. This event, and, you know, he, he's probably not a big Balgaiva. No, I'm so amazing. But um, you know, I was in Milan for Shabbos, so there was a very, 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 very nice guy there, really nice guy. He came to say Kaddish. He lives in a town called Parma, about uh, an hour, an hour and a half outside of Milano, and uh, he's involved in Kashrus. American, American guy, Litvish guy, but. Um, he, came, he had to say Kaddish for his mother. It was Yorzite, so he came in. To ta- There's no minion in Parma, so he came into Milan for Shabbos with his 11-year-old daughters and this absolutely astounding girl who spent most of the time hanging out with the 18-year-old Sem girls. And she was in all the classes I was teaching him in a number of the Fabrengans, obviously not until late at night, but you know, her father let her sit in the Fabrengans for an hour or two at the beginning. She was with it. Yeah, but she understood what was going on. I have met a lot of 11-year-olds who can hang out with 18-year-olds and hold their own. You know, obviously she was 11 and they were 18, but she was definitely more mature than some of the 18-year-olds. That was, that's for sure. But also intellectually, you know, we were learning Basi Lagani Friday night, and she asked questions that were absolutely, completely and totally in young. Right? She understood what we were talking about, and she asked the question that was, you know, in line with what we just said. I asked her, how old are you? She said, 11. Okay. She's <laughs> a astounding little kid. She's really very sweet, really, just a little sweetie. Uh, homeschooled, because there's no school in Parma you can send her to. So he teaches her the Mudaka edition. They have some program online that they have for you know, learning math and reading and things like that. But 
clearly very bright, this little kid. Anyway, so she was there. But the father was there, and it was just, why am I bringing this up? Because the, the father was a really, really nice guy, but he did not get a chassidish education. He grew up in, you know, I'm not going to say white yeshiva, but, you know, famous Lutfish yeshiva in America. So he made a siyam. It was a yard of his mother's. He made a siyam on a masechet. And at the end of the siyam, it had the famous, I mean, we say it every day in davening, Tamidich Chachamim Marbim Shalom Be'elam, right? The Tamidich Chachamim increased peace in the world, Shneemar, etc. So when he started talking about it, he said, uh, we're responsible, we Tamidich Chachamim are responsible for increasing peace in the world. So he's talking to a bunch of Lubavitchers. So everybody's sort of like, you know, what do you mean we Tamidich Chachamim? Like, no one... Lubavitch, no one's going to ever refer to themselves as a Tamidich that's someone who knows more than me. He's the dumb Chacham. I would like to be. He is. But this guy was educated to know. We're the Talmud Chachamim. That's us. This guy, I don't think he's that. Now, this guy really wasn't a haughty person. He just That's just what he was educated to say and think about himself. That, you know, he's one of the, the royalty. Okay. You know, nice guy, though. Very nice guy. It's nice having him around for Shabbos. So our fellow, the Rebbe says, hasn't connected. What, what's necessary to connect? Ava. Why? Because Ava demands change. Because the, the Nefesh Bahamis doesn't naturally love a Kaddish Baruch. The Nefesh Bahamis naturally loves itself. And to get the Nefesh Bahamis to move to a place where it loves a Kaddish Baruch, it takes a lot of work. You bring about a change in the Nefesh Abamis. That's what brings about the connection of the Nefesh with its source. Another is going to bring another Inyan. So that's the end of the first discussion of the difference between Av and Yir. Another is going to bring another Inyan of, of the involvement of Av in the notion of Aveda. And that's to the end of the parak. But there's not going to be. A, there's going to be a, a new idea, but not any new information per se. There's another aspect of this. Shaloi must speak that it's not sufficient. The but there must be muchreches is a lotion of absolute necessity, right? There's tzarich, which means the need. Muchrach is absolutely necessary. Okay, two different words of need in lashon hakodesh. So mukhrach is of absolute necessity. Ela mukhrachas liya is gama vedamiyava. It's absolutely necessary. There must be the avedamiyava. Dehine aveda himi lushan ibud ardais. Aveda also comes in the language not just of an evid, but ibud ardais, working skins, working leather. Ukashem should be ibud ardais, just like when you're working leather, working skins. It's, there's a necessity of a number of actions, haboys that come al tircha, hard work, tremendous effort, nasa or until the skin becomes ma'ubad worked, veroy and fit liyos klaf. It's now fit to be klaf, right parchment. She love parshias that you could learn, a, you could write a parsha on it. It's a long way from a from a dead cow to a safer Torah cloth. It takes a lot of a lot of things done to that thing to bring about those changes. Or what else might it turn into? What might that cow turn into? Yeah, that's that's the or Bolton. But but what Bolton, whatever it's called. Okay, but what in, in Kedusha, what might he turn into? Cholent. What? Hmm? I'm a, okay, that's this. That's cloth. What else? What does cloth mean? Cloth is parchment. Scroll. Right. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah. The tefillin itself is also made from the cow, from the leather up here, which is evidently extremely... I mean, it is. Look, look how thick it is. Right. But, but the leather itself, when it's taken off the cow, is pliable and soft. How do you turn it into something so hard that... You know, I've seen someone actually do it with fillin before they're squared, just the round fillin that had been worked. So he, he, he did this when I was first year in yeshiva, I remember. 
So the guy came and talked to us about the, the whole process of making tefillin. So he brought different pieces from the whole process. And he had a piece of a, of a, of a shell yad that was open, right? There was the, the flap and, the, and the, 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 the piece that was going to be squared. But it wasn't square yet. It was still round. And he took it and he smashed it on the table and broke a formica table with it. He made a crack in the formica. I don't know whether he paid the yeshiva for it. He made a crack in the formica. It was hard as a rock. Okay. So how do you get, I mean, obviously the leather off the head of the cow is not hard as rock. It, you know, it's skin. It's pliable. So how do you get it like that? Oh, a lot of work. A lot of, you know, soaking it in this and in this and in lime and in all sorts of stuff. I mean, if you've never been, you should do yourself a favor and go to one of them. They're all over you. You should lie and go to, fact, uh, go to a factory that makes tefillin and watch how tefillin are made. It's fascinating. See the different parts of making tefillin. So not get, just the straps, the box itself is also... It's leather. Uh, Absolutely. It's, what do you think it was? Yes. It's leather. It's all from everything, everything there except the ink. The only thing that doesn't come from a cow is the ink on the, you know, the letters written on the cloth. The cloth is from a cow, the straps are from a cow, the, 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 uh, the thread is from a cow, it's all, okay. So, it, it takes a lot of work to get it to that shape, right? Remember once going to a factory, I took some students to a factory in, that's right near Arnof, and, um, uh, factory. It's a little, you know, it's a room. Yeah, uh, maybe twice the size of this where they make filling, right? And uh, and and they showed us one of the presses that they they you know put they put the leather in and then with pieces of metal around it to make it the size that they wanted square, and then they put a hydraulic press on it. It's the weight of nine egged buses. Sits on it for a couple of weeks to get it into that shape, because it holds that shape, right? Your tefillin will hold the shape it has for 50, 60, 70 years. It's not naturally square, right? Okay, how does they get it square with that much pressure, and then it stays that way, right? In the old days, they didn't use, they, they, didn't, they didn't have the, Rashi's tefillin didn't look nearly as, they weren't nearly as kosher as yours. They weren't as square as yours. It's supposed to be square, but they obviously did the best they could in those days, and we do the best we can now, and what we do is just so much better than what they were able to do in terms of all these hydraulic presses we have. Okay, so so they used to use uh, goat skin as opposed to cow skin. Why? Because it was more pliable, easier to work with, right? easier to get straight, but didn't hold it. It's called dakaris. You can't even get it today. There used to be two types of tefillin, gases and dakaris. Gas means thick, dak means thin. Big animals, small animals. You'd get tefillin from gases. Well, I mean, they were cheaper, but it was easier for easier to get them square. But they didn't hold the square. They'd like fall out of shape after a while. You have to take them and get them redone. There's no such thing anymore. It used to be that, uh, you know, not so long ago, when my kids, my older kids were getting tefillin, so uh, the, 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 the way to do it, if, you know, you had the wherewithal and met, was to buy them two years, buy the batim two years earlier, and they would shape the batim and then put them on a shelf and let them sit there and dry for two years. And that's how they... Those were the best because they would keep their shape best. Right now, in 20, 20 years, three oldest boys, so the youngest is 30. So in the last 20 years, the, it's changed completely. You can walk into someone you know, three months before and say, you know, start making the tefillin because they, they, the presses are so much better than they were even then. Still, the longer it dries, they still say it's better, but it's not necessary anymore. In those days, they say it was a good idea to order the tefillin two years before, pick out the pair, get the guy to pick you out a pair of tefillin, put them on the shelf, and your, they would be, your name would be under them. They'd be sitting there for two years in a dry room, just drying, just getting harder and harder and harder, you know, in, in a room that was heated and dry. 
I don't have to do it anymore. As they say. I mean, with my younger set of boys, didn't have to worry about it. I mean, I, I thought I did. I, mean, I called someone up two years before, and he said, well, you have to do that anymore. <laughs> called me in a year. He said, you just don't have to do it. Okay. Say that. But it takes a lot of work. That's what I was talking about. That's ibudaris. A lot of things go into the process, a lot of hard work and tremendous energy. Umizem movement, from this it's understood. Shavedimiyira. Isn't the true expression of Aveda? That doesn't mean it's not necessary. Reishi is Aveda Vikadavishasha. It's the beginning of everything. Right? But in a marriage, what's a true marriage? A marriage of commitment or a marriage of love? Commitment. Yeah? I'm, I mean, you know, what you want to happen. The basis is commitment. But what you want is love. But where's the love come from? From the commitment. It starts after the commitment. Reishi Zavedi Vikara Vishosha is the commitment. But I certainly hope it doesn't stay there. That the only reason they're married is they're committed to each other, but there's no love whatsoever. And they spend 50 years living together. They're fine. They're, but, but there's no love mamish. Okay. That's not the ultimate ideal, Right. Yes, without the commitment, so it won't hold together. I mean, the, you know, the statistics say it won't hold together without the commitment, 100%. That's true. Right? But what do you want from that relationship? Love. You want it to be a love relationship, but just a proper love relationship has to be based on commitment. Reishis of Eidav Yikadavishash is Kabbalah soul. Without the commitment, 90% of relationships fall apart. Right? 50% of them that get to marriage, we've talked about it. Uh, even the ones that get to marriage, 50% fall apart if it's all based on love and no commitment. No, it's all about commitment. That's, that's, you're right, that's the basis. But that's not, that's only the beginning. That isn't where you want to end up. Right? The story, I mean, we've talked about it, but it's important to talk about it, is the, the, the story of that woman, I think it's Mrs. Sharpstein, who talked, she's in Yechidus with the Rebbe. Tell it quickly, because we've talked about it before. She was in Yechidus with the Rebbe when she was a 20, 21-year-old girl. Not, she wasn't married yet. Rebbe asked her about Shaduchim, said she's been going out, so the Rebbe gave, mentioned eight names of Bachrim who were good Bachrim. The Rebbe mentioned names. She had met every one of them. Now, I assume that's why the Rebbe mentioned those eight names, to make a point, meaning objectively, these guys are all fine. Right? Subjectively, there's some issue here. <laughs> that's why you're not married. Right? Okay, fine. He didn't, the Rebbe didn't say that to her, but it's pretty clear. Why, why would the Rebbe pick those eight names of all the Bachrim, right? The Rebbe mentioned eight names. She says it. Right? So then they, they spoke about something else, and then the Rebbe asked her, what do you like to do in your free time? She said she likes to read novels. What kind of novels? Romantic novels. And then the Rebbe said, oh, so maybe we know the problem now. Right? You think that your relationship with a young man is supposed to be like those novels where there's this, you know, now, how the Rebbe knows what a romantic novel is, I don't know. But the Rebbe just knows everything, and it's just the way it is. <laughs> so, so he says it in those novels. So there's this you know, tremendous explosion of love and, and feelings, etc. So the Rebbe said, that's not how it works in real life. It's not how relationships happen. And the Rebbe said to her, she, she describes the whole thing. It's amazing. You can find her. It's a, you know, if you, it's a gem, my encounter with the Rebbe, one of those things. But oh, very old. Right? probably 10, 15 years ago. So, but you can find it on YouTube or on Google or something. Right? So she, uh, she then says the Rebbe told her that, that uh, a proper relationship starts with a, just a little spark. People meet and they have a spark. And then they decide to get married based on that spark. And that spark turns into a tiny flame. And they have to be very, very careful at the beginning of the relationship not to put out the flame because it's just a tiny little flame. Easy to extinguish the flame. And the, t- the flame slowly but surely grows and grows and grows until it becomes an all-consuming fire. That's a relationship. That's how the Rebbe described it. So too with the Abishter, right? Starts off with a commitment, but hopefully a little spark, a little something. And that spark has to turn into a little flame until finally it grows and grows. And that's the Aveda, is to make that flame grow and grow. Kibayira. Why is Yira not a mitis It's not absolutely necessary that there should be hard work. Again, it's some, in some people, it is necessary. 
But Yira itself doesn't demand it. Therefore, the Yikra Avayda is Ava. But again, for some person, people, Yira it takes very hard work. Kabbalah Sol is breaking teeth for these people. Okay, say there. So then, for that person, they're connecting to the Abishtah because they're bringing about a real change in the Nefesh of Amis, even through the Avayda of Yira. But Yira doesn't existentially demand Avayda. So the real Avayda is Ava. The canal, like we said earlier, there are such people, not everybody, the Rebbe doesn't say everybody has, there are such people, so therefore you see, Yira is different than Ava. It's absolutely necessary, there also has to be Ava. It comes through hard work and effort. And from this it's understood, and this is the end of this second part of the Mimer, Shemasha Kosuv, that that which it says, you should serve a Kaddish Baruch Hu, Kai, that's relevant, Hain, both, Allah Avedim Yira, Shahi Reshis Avedim, it's the beginning of Avedim, it's the first step, Kabbalah Sol, commitment, Vahain, and similarly, Allah Avedim Yav. And as the Rebbe Shab explains in Kutus Avedim, which he wrote to send to the Talmidim of Temchei Tamimim, Sheshleimus Aveda Hi Hein Mi Ayira Hein Mi Ava. The complete Aveda is both Yira and Ava. Okay. So, having told us first what our Aveda, what levels of Elokus are affected by our Aveda, Atzmus. Now the Rebbe just explained what Aveda is. Aveda is Ava and Yira. I haven't got a clue how to do that. That's the next part of the mind. Okay, so what do I do in order to reach those levels of Ava and Yira? But now I know what's necessary. The beginning of it all is Yira. Reishi Zavedi Vikara Vishashi is reaching a point where, which might be a natural state or not, reaching a point where a person is committed to the Ebishter, and that's the beginning of any relationship, because we said countless times, it's a relationship with myself until I come to that point of commitment, because the commitment is for the other person, not for me. The commitment is what allows me to get out of myself, transcend myself. And have this relationship be about the other, not about me, not what I get from it and how this relationship is positive for me. That doesn't mean I won't do things in the relationship. Of course I'll do things in the relationship. Well, because it's good for me and I get all sorts of good stuff out of it. So of course I'll do things. I love to bring my, my wife candies on her birthday. Why? Because she, she treats me nicely. So who did I bring candies to? Myself. Didn't bring her. I mean, I brought her, but it was all about me. It, was, it had nothing to do with her. If she didn't treat me nicely after I brought her candies, I wouldn't bring her candies because I couldn't care less about her. All I care about is me. But okay, I say to her, I want her, I, I want her to treat me nicely, so I'll bring her candies. That's not a relationship with her. It's a relationship with myself. But I don't have to do anything to have that. <laughs> That's sort of natural, isn't it? <laughs> don't you walk around relating to yourself all day? Okay, so how do you get out of that and actually relate to something else? Right? Now, can do exactly the same thing in a relationship with God. God is very useful. Makes me, makes me feel that I have meaning in life. Makes me feel that, uh, I, that uh, what I do is of, of importance. I feel uplifted. Okay, that's nice. That's all good. That's good. That's amazing. That's great. Okay. What's that got to do with God? Nothing. <laughs> it's nothing to do with Him. When does it have to do with Him? Why do I do it? Because this is what He wants. Now, that can grow into love. But that's the beginning of it all. That's the commitment. That's you. That's Kabbalah Zol. Why do I get up and daven chakras in the morning? Because the Abishta wants chakras in the morning. And that's why the person who has Kabbalah Zol never misses. He's, in, he's inspired or he's not inspired. What difference does it make? The Abishta likes chakras. I don't know why the Abishta likes chakras. What does that got to do with me? The Abishta likes chakras. Okay. He likes you to daven chakras. So you daven chakras. He likes you to daven chakras with tefillin. So you daven chakras with tefillin. He likes you to daven chakras after going to mikveh learning chassidus. So you go to mikveh, you learn chassidus. Oh, I go to mikveh because, oh, I just feel so elevated when I come out of the mikveh. Okay, that's nice. That's good. But that's why I go to mikveh. Then it has nothing to do with God yet. It has to do with me. Right? That that still doesn't that doesn't mean I'm a low life and a thief and I shouldn't go to mikvah. Just means that it's not necessarily an expression of my relationship with the Kaddish Baruch. It's an expression of my relationship with myself. That doesn't mean everything I enjoy is an expression of my relationship with myself, right? Because th- th- there's there can always be two aspects of the. Right? 
you can bring your wife chocolates because your wife likes chocolates, but she still treats you nicely, and that make that's nice, <laughs> right? But the reason you bought the chocolates wasn't because she treats you nicely. The reason you bought the chocolates was because she likes chocolates. Okay, so Baruch Hashem. Uh, so that's good. But all sorts of other things happen as a result of that that are very positive and very wonderful for you. Okay, but that's not why you did it. But that happens. So do in a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch. Do something for the Apishter because the Apishter wants it. Okay, but all sorts of other amazing things can happen as a result of that. Become a completely different person, a person who becomes much more sensitive to, to 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 all sorts of good things in life. You can enjoy it, right? You can enjoy the the challenge. Okay, why do you daven shmanesh? Because why do you daven shakras? Because the Abraham wants me to daven shakras. Do you enjoy the challenge of trying to talk to God every morning? Yes, it's a very very enjoyable challenge. Do you succeed? No, most times no. Does that bother you? Well, if I was completely into myself and my own religiosity and that's all I cared about, so then I'd get all depressed because my chakras isn't as good as it should be. Or, it's like, no, I find the challenge really quite astounding, and every now and then I actually say a word that I mean, and that's pretty cool. Okay. Some people get all upset and just can't, you know, oh my, I'm not as holy as I'm supposed to be. Well, I don't know how holy you're supposed to be exactly. Where did you read that you're supposed to be so holy that you can daven chakras? And mean every word. Where have you ever seen that? Should you mean every word? Wow, that would be amazing. <laughs> wow. Are you in the place in your life where that's what you should expect from yourself? Who told you that? If they did, they're selling you a bill of goods. It's not who you are. It's not who I am. It's not who anybody you know is. <laughs> so why are you expecting that from yourself and just setting yourself up for failure? for much more reasonable understanding. Oh, well then it's all just a fake. It's not a fake at all. Why is it a fake? Trying very hard to do it. Just really hard thing to do. Lahavdil, 27 billion zillion times. You're playing tennis. What would you like to do? Well, you'd like to hit a back backhand like Roger Federer, wouldn't you? I mean, you know, what you're gonna just, like, that's what you'd like to do. I mean, you're supposed to hit the backhand and it should go exactly where you want at exactly the speed and th- exactly just the way it's supposed to be. Is that what you really expect from yourself every time you hit a backhand? Oh, Ben Matt, what are you, crazy? <laughs> that, you think you're Roger Federer? You're not Roger Federer, you're some guy who plays tennis because it keeps him in shape and it's, you know, it's an enjoyable way to, to get exercise and you know, live a long life, a healthy life, and you know, it, 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 it's very enjoyable, right? It's good for you, okay. Now, when you hit the back end, what do you try to do? Hit it perfectly. Are you trying to hit it mediocre? Of course not. You're trying to do the best you can. But the best you can is what he can do it. I'm not him. I'll never be him. I'm not even, I, you know, I, I would be interested in, in, not in tennis, I'd be interested in being him in terms of Ruchmi's. But I, I, that's not who I am. Okay? So what am I trying to do? I'm trying to do the best I can do. What does that mean? That means that I have to do my best to focus on the words in front of me, and there will be times when I do, and there'll be times when I don't. Am I going to allow myself not to a priori? No. That's a cop-out. Am I going to expect myself to concentrate on every single word during davening? No. That's unrealistic. So I have to be some normal person in the middle there, right? Yiddish guy demands me actually being normal. Ugh, feh. It's much harder than being a maniac. It's much easier to be a maniac and think that I'm Ravitcha Masmid and that really I'm, you know, <coughs> davening better than anybody in the world ever davened and that's just unbelievable how incredible my davening is. That's easier. I mean, it's not because it's so silly, but it's easy, it's, you know, easier to think that than think that maybe I'm not doing as good a job as I should and I'd like to get a little better. How better? A little better. <coughs> a little better. Tupsukim today. I'm going to say, Heidu Levaya Kiru Bishmai, get to the end of the first Pasuk and actually mean what I said. Wow, amazing. You said a whole Pasuk in Davening and actually really honestly understood that you were saying that to God and telling Him that you love Him. That's really honestly what you were just there and nowhere else. Wow. You know the person who says, I really daven with Kavana today? Well, I guess not. 
Because if you daven with kavana, you wouldn't know, would you? Oh, I'm really davening with kavana. I guess I'm not, because what am I thinking about? Davening with kavana. Is that how you have a conversation with another person? Oh, gee, I'm really talking to Mayor Well today. Oh, hi, Mayor, how are you? Oh, I said that really well. I really meant that. Oh, that's pretty good. Who is not in my thought right now? Mayor. I'm not thinking about Mayor. I think about me, how well I just talked to Mayor. Oh, gee, I really talked to Mayor well today. Oh, I did such a good job. I really meant it when I said, how are you, Mayor? No, I didn't, because I was thinking about meaning it instead of actually saying it and meaning it. Because if I say it and mean it, I'm not thinking about me meaning it. I'm thinking about how he is. Right? So that's pretty hard to do with God, right? Okay. So we do our best. And he likes it. If I were him, I mean, wouldn't you get a little tired of our governing after a while? Right? He likes it. That's what he likes. Why? I don't know. But he likes it. So we do it. But we sort of have to have a proper understanding of who we are, what we are, where we're, not, not in chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom, saying that we're mediocre. Not that at all. We're not mediocre. But not to have some, you know, strange idea that, that you know, if I, if I do this Yiddish guy right for six months, I'm going to be at Sadiq Gamur. I mean, come on. Am I going to become a person who's more sensitive to Elokus than I was six months ago? Yes. If I work hard at it, I will be. Am I going to become one of those Hasidim that you hear stories about? Well, probably not for a while. How old was that Hasid that you hear those stories about? Right? Maybe he was 80, 70, 60, 50, I don't know. Whatever he was. He'd been working on things for a while. Okay. And for the Okay, how many Rav Mendels were there? Right. So, how many Rav Mendels were there? It was one Rav Mendel. Now, there were, there were a number of people in that. There's no question that generation was a special generation. I, it's interesting because I talked about this with the Rabbi Volshansky on Shabbos. Rabbi Volshansky Sr., the Rosh Shivan Svas, was in Milano. He went on the same flight because uh, his son made a bris yesterday, which I didn't stay for. I didn't know about it, but... Uh, uh, so, so he was there for Shabbos and got the Febrang with him a lot. You know, in between the Febrangs with the girls, I was sitting and schmoozing with Rabbi Olshansky. So we were talking Dafka about this, right? and the expectations that some people put on Bochrim to be a certain way. So he was talking about Tem in the old days. I said, well, you know, everybody in Tem Chitimimim in, in the old days was, was Mamish and Eved and, you know, Davin Barichus for four hours on Shabbos and was completely, six hours and was completely connected. No. That generation, there's no question. There, was, there isn't a Veda that they were incredible at, and, and, and that's why we tell the stories, and they were amazing. Messiris Nefesh, their, their Messiris Nefesh was unbelievable. Incredible. But in terms of davening, I mean, the one who I was close to, Rav Blazer Nanas. So I mentioned him to Rabbi Volshansky. I said, well, yeah, I mean, I don't think Rav Blazer was an avid. Laser was someone who, you know, anybody saw davening four or five hours in Shabbos morning. I mean, maybe, but I don't think so. I've never heard a story like that. I've heard the story. You know, I mean, he learned chassidus all the time. He, you know, spent twenty years in Siberia and was never mechal Shabbos or ate non-kosher food. Just didn't eat eight days on Pesach. He fasted because there was no matzah. Right? Just drank water. Had some sugar that he could could uh, eat. Right? Kept himself alive because his wife used to send the matzah. So that year they didn't give him his matzah. So he had nothing to eat. Basically, he had some potatoes or something. Okay. Basically, just didn't eat for eight days. Okay, so unbelievable. But in terms of, you know, davening barichas, I think he wasn't famous for that. Amazing guy, pushing a superhero. But that wasn't what he was famous for. It was an interesting conversation. I mean, he's a Rosh Hashiva of, you know, 400 Bachrim, so he's... In, involved in the education of young Lubavitchers, right? What's he educating them? Every single one of them is going to be someone who's going to daven for eight hours on Shabbos? No. Right. Does that mean you shouldn't try to do that now? No, no, it's, it's a tremendous thing to do, but, but you know, things have to be kept in a proper perspective in terms of who I am, what I am, and what's a reasonable expectation of myself at this point in my life. But I can't, I, I cannot settle for mediocrity. 
have to strive for the best I can do, but I have to have realistic expectations as to what it is the best I can do. And then I'm okay, then I'm healthy, then I'm fine. If I have unrealistic expectations, so either I'll fool myself, uh, be upset with myself. Neither of those are particularly positive. Personally, 